live, lead, minister, coach. Good morning, family. It's good to be home. Um, we have missed you guys. Um, we have been away for, I think it's been a little more than three and a half years. Um, so it's good to be back with you. It's good to be on our home assignment. However, the, um, the family in front of you who's been adopted by Africa was also adopted by African weather, and we're not happy. So if you can turn the heat up a little bit, we'd appreciate it. Um, but no, we, we're very happy to be in our home. Uh, First Alliance is home for us. And so we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to share with you. Um, but we, we do see some faces that we don't recognize, and maybe we have faces you don't recognize. So uh, to properly introduce ourselves, um, we are Greg and Camby Wilson, and we also have two children. I don't know. Okay, good. We're up there. Um, Micah who is actually sitting back in the sound booth pushing the button for us, and our daughter Tiffany, who has run away to be in children's church with her friends there, um, which is also a reminder that we're home because you notice our kids weren't sitting with us in service, but every other church we go to, they're always with us, but they are very comfortable here and they're, they're happy to be back. Um, so if you're not aware, um, we serve with a ministry called SIM. Um, SIM, many, many years ago, stood for Sudan Interior Mission. Um, today, it no longer stands for that. They've just made it an in empty acronym, SIM. And that's because they have, over the years, grown to now be in over 80 countries. Um, we are a part of a family of over 4,000 missionaries. And so they're all over the world. So Sudan Interior Mission just didn't make sense as a name, but they didn't want to lose SIM. Within SIM, um, we are a part of a ministry called Sports Friends. And as a part of Sports Friends, our mission is to equip churches and church planters to use sports to make disciples of Jesus Christ among young people, their families, and their communities. And... Um, Sports Friends currently is in 19 countries um, around the world. Um, but for us, we have the privilege of serving in Kenya. Um, now, on the picture up here, you'll see in green is Kenya, and then there's another one that's marked, that is South Sudan. Um, we are not going into South Sudan, but we do have direct impact on South Sudan. Um, and that is because when we travel up to the northwest part of Kenya, there is an area where there are over 200,000 South Sudanese refugees. Um, there are refugees from other countries as well, but primarily uh, those are South Sudanese that are there. They have fled from civil war and regional fighting, uh, tribal fighting that is happening in their country. and. The UN has set up camps for them in the northwest of Kenya, and it provided a great opportunity for us to be able to reach out to the South Sudanese because it's hard to go into South Sudan. 
Um, and then we're also working in Nairobi, which is the capital city of Nairobi. That's about in the middle of Kenya, uh, east to west, a little bit south of central Kenya, north to south. And in Nairobi, we focus primarily on uh, young people who live in the slums of Kenya. Um, so these are young people who their families are just trying to survive. And so there's a lot of needs amongst these young people, um, but there's also a lot of um, that desire to look for hope. And we offer hope in Jesus. And then also we are working in the eastern part of Kenya, in the coastal regions. Um, this is our most difficult area that we work in uh, because the majority of people who are in that region um, believe in a, a faith that is a bit hostile to Christianity. Uh, there are also unreached people groups still uh, in this area. And so that is our heart as Sports Trends Kenya, is to be able to focus on some of these unreached or least reached people groups. So when we have a training, um, we kind of have four pillars that we have. Um, our trainings with coaches, as I said, we focus on coaches uh, under their churches and uh, church planters. Um, and, you know, we could, uh, we could go and we could be coaches ourselves. And we could have a few teams playing in different sports and maybe we could coach 50 to 100 kids at a time. But um, what we prefer to do is that we are coaching the coaches. And by doing that, we will work uh, during the course of a year with about 100 different coaches, taking them through a discipleship process and teaching them how to coach and how to minister through sports. And in that way, working with up to 100 coaches at a time, all of those coaches are working with dozens and dozens of kids. So in that way, we're reaching thousands of kids um, instead of just 100 kids. Um, as we do our trainings, um, as I was saying, we kind of have four pillars that we uh, build our trainings on. Live to worship Christ. Lead to serve the church. Minister to make disciples. Coach to develop skills. Now, today, we're going to cover those in reverse order. Um, as opposed to what we would do in a training with our coaches. So coach to develop skills. With a smile that defines her name, Coach Joy is a testimony of answered prayer. Um, answered prayer that was not immediate. Joy is the coach that's pictured in the middle here. Um, she was one of several girls that... Uh, practice soccer every day for hours on a dry, dusty pitch. And we call it a pitch because in Nairobi, it's very hard to find grass. So what they played on was dirt, dust, rocks, glass, barbed wire. And Joy was one of the girls who practiced as long as other youth from about ages 8 to 25. Um, the coaches were working really hard with them. Um, every day, from the moment they got out of school um, until it was time to go home for dinner. 
And we strongly encouraged our coaches because at that time the majority of our coaches were male. And we were encouraging them to find a female coach so that the girls who were playing could be properly discipled. In Kenya, a lot of the girls come from pretty rough situations. And they needed a female to come alongside, a female authority come alongside and be able to encourage them. They will not open up to the male coaches. And we also wanted healthy relationships between the female players and the coaches, and that's hard to do when you are making yourself vulnerable to a male coach as a female. You tend to develop an attachment. We wanted that attachment to be healthy. So we all began to pray, <coughs> our coaches and us included, and we prayed that God would provide a female coach. But God didn't answer immediately because he was working on Joy's heart. He was changing her. See, Joy has physical scars. He has many physical scars. And God had to teach her how to forgive and how to grow in her relationship with God and how to learn how to love God fully. She actually, if you want to talk to us a little bit later, there's a video of her story, and you'll see why she has her scars. As Joy began to grow in her walk with God, she began to remember the impact that her coaches had on her. And she began to fully surrender to God. And she felt the tug, and then she answered the call to become our female coach. Today, her scars are not covered. As you can see in the picture, she's not ashamed. She's not wearing long sleeves. Um, she has a full smile because she has become unashamed of her story so that she can impact other youth and the other coaches. And today she's responsible for training 50 kids alongside another coach. Coaching sports is at the, the core of our ministry. We use sports as that bridge into a young person's life. Um, at a time where a lot of young people are not interested in going to church or being involved in church, they are very interested in sports. Um, there's a lot of free time for Kenyan young people. And so they will gravitate to any sport. Of course, they love soccer. It is Africa. Um, and, you know, if you don't have a soccer ball, you can make a soccer ball out of trash. And if you need an example of that, we actually have one out back. We encourage you to look at that. They're, they're innovative. They'll find a way. Um, so getting a ball out is an easy connection point. Um, you know, when, when God called me into ministry, it's now been well over 20 years, I was very confused at first. I'm like, what? Why, why are you calling me into ministry? I already have a career, and I have no experience in ministry. I was really like, what are you, God, what are you doing? But I did know that I wanted to obey. I did not want a Jonah experience in my life. Um, but I was thankful that God gave me an opportunity uh, to just kind of get my feet wet in missions. It happened to be on a missions trip to Kenya. Um, did not think that the long term would end up going in that way, but while I was there, I was introduced to a man who um, was there administrating a health clinic as a missions project. And I just had the opportunity to hear his story. And 
course, at the time, I wasn't really thinking anything of it. He was just sharing with me why he, why he was there, which was because he had a friend who was a doctor, and the doctor went and started this health clinic, and the, the doctor was so overwhelmed with the administration of running the clinic that he wasn't really getting to see very many patients. And so this friend of his said, well, I can do administration, I'll come and do that for you. And at the end of the conversation, the man just said, you know, whatever God has gifted you with, he'll use. And it didn't, it didn't click at the time, but it did come back to me months later um, when I was asking God, okay, why, why did you send me to Kenya? What was the point of that? Still, what do you want me to do in missions? And he said, well, what have I gifted you with? That's what I want to use. And so I, I knew I was good at sports. Um, I like to say great, but that might not be completely true, but I was good at sports, and, and I love sports. I love playing sports. Um, and so it kind of occurred, okay, this, this could be a ministry. This could be used. And, and I had seen examples of that my first time there where we just we would use uh, soccer or volleyball as a connection point with young people in the area where I was. Um, it is a bridge. It is a way of connecting. Um, it's how we get to a point in a relationship with people that we can then begin to share Christ. And so in our ministry, we make connections through sports. But how do you make connections? What are your areas of interest? What do you love doing? Have you ever thought of utilizing your interests as a way of building relationships? Um, it doesn't have to be through a sport. Um, I love the idea of the game night that you guys are doing, that the men are doing. It's an area where common interests are bringing people together in which you can build relationships. But what is it for you? What has God gifted you with? It can even be your employment. Do you think of that as a way to connect with people? Do you think of your hobbies as a way to connect with people so you can get to that point of relationship? The Apostle Paul did this in Corinth. When he was there, he was a tent maker. That's how he provided for himself. And he met Priscilla and Aquila, who were also tent makers. And they were, Paul was there for a year and a half. You know, I, I kind of wonder who, who was the master tent maker, who was teaching who. I don't, I don't think we know that, but I can't imagine that in the process of making tents, how many conversations they had about Jesus and about what the Old Testament taught and how it pointed to Jesus and what had happened in the recent decades prior during Christ's life. And, you know, at the end of Paul's time in Corinth, Aquila and Priscilla went with him and became missionaries. What impact Paul must have had through that time, through that common interest that they had, and even in their way of surviving. What is your interest? What do you love? How can you make a connection? Why do we connect? Because we've been called to minister, minister to make disciples. 
Eugene is one of our trained coaches, but one of the things that we absolutely love about Eugene is he would be doing sports ministry whether or not he had met with sports friends in Kenya. Um, and why? Because somebody invested in Eugene. A coach invested in Eugene when he was still a teen. And Eugene is an orphan, but he has not shared his story with us, and we know that when he is ready, he will. But his, his life experience, God has used to make an impact as well. Eugene has a very strong walk with God. His God is very personal, and his God has brought him to sports friends to give him a family that he does not have, or that he did not have. Um, and that investment with Eugene's coaches and even his sports friend's family has led him to want to invest in, his, in the youth and in others. Uh, Eugene played soccer at a competitive level. And when his time had finished, he really began to hear the Lord call him to be a coach, um, to be a sports minister. And he found sports friends, he went through a sports friends training, and uh, he began coaching boys that are around the ages of 8 to 12. And we love watching Eugene with the kids. He's patient, he's kind, he teaches them the skills that he needs um, and helps them direct their energies towards positive purposes, but he goes beyond. He doesn't just have a Bible study at the end of the, his training. He goes home with the kids. He meets the parents. He um, listens to what's taking place in their family. Uh, he understands that discipleship is not just a weekend seminar or the time on the field that he is training the kids, but he understands that it's a way of life. And when you meet Eugene, you see that he lives it just as much as he speaks it. Um, he knows that it is in every way a way of life that involves letting people be a part of his everyday life just as was done for him by his coaches. When it comes to the ministry aspect of what we do with Sports Friends, we put a lot of focus on the relationship. Um, it is, as I've said, that connection. It's that bridge into the lives of young people. Um, I, re I tell our coaches early on in the training, it's easy to run a sports program, but it's hard to run a sports ministry. Um, what do I mean by that? It's, you know, again, because you get out a ball, kids will come. You can game the kids. You can get them around. The coaches often will even think, oh, I, I could start a club. You know, I could charge the kids a little bit of money and then use that to sustain myself or get something for myself. Um, that's easy to do because there's the demand for it. But a sports ministry is work. And so we really try to help them focus on the aspect that this isn't about you, coach. This is about Christ. This is about what you're going to pour into these kids. Um, you know, and I, I think back to my years playing soccer um, from the time I was very young. And I had a lot of different coaches and a lot of different uh, aspects of things, whether it was club or school. And 
they had a significant impact on my life. I had a high respect for them. But I also realized that for the majority of them, not all of them, but for the majority of them, their concern was fairly singular focused, which was to increase my skill level so that our team could win more games. We all needed to get better so that we could play better. But it occurred to me as God was making clear that I would use sports as a ministry tool that because of that respect that a coach gains from his players, what if that coach went beyond that and started to focus on the heart of those young people and start to direct them through Christ? And what we see in a lot of places where we are is that parents are neglecting their kids. The community gets annoyed with children because they don't have much to do, so they're getting in trouble. Teachers are not so concerned with the children. The coach is often the one that provides the most love and care for that child. So the opportunity for them is significant. Um, so when we get to the point of having our coaches start their team, they've gone through their first few months of training, we say, okay, it's time to go out and start your team. And they're doing this as a ministry of their church. And the easy thing for them would be to go and get all the kids from their church and say, okay, guys, we're going to have a soccer team and we're going to start practicing and then we're going to go and we're going to compete. But we tell them, don't just get kids from your church. We want you to pick half of your team slots, kids from your church. Be very intentional with this, coach. And then we want you to tell those kids, go home to your neighborhood, find kids that are not going to church. Bring them. They're going to make up the rest of our team. And so in this way, the coach doesn't just have young kids that are already familiar with Christ, maybe have already accepted Christ because of the other ministries of the church, but now the coach has that opportunity to reach out to un unbelieving children as well. Um, and so the other aspect of this that ends up being a great benefit for us is, you know, first the coach gets the disciple believing kids. But then the second part is the coach also has these unbelieving kids that he gets to share the gospel with. And the kids that already know Christ are watching the coach and get to be a part with the coach of sharing Christ with their friends as well. Thus also teaching them how to share Christ. And you know, I think about every time that we do this part in our session, we cover this, um, it reminds me about how I need to be in my life and how I need to be intentional in my life. You know, we all, I think, prefer to surround ourselves with people who are like-minded to us, right? With other believers. And that makes sense, right? Because that provides good accountability for us. It helps us walk that straight and narrow path that God has laid out for us. But we also need to be intentional about building those relationships with those who don't know Christ and using those connection points for that. You know, Jesus told us in Mark 2:17, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, 
but sinners. Who are you being a doctor to? Or who are you bringing to the doctor? How are you being intentional with ministry to the lost? Clement is a young man from South Sudan. He left South Sudan years ago due to turmoil and fighting in his country. And as he put it, he said, there was always a bullet everywhere. I don't know if any of you guys know this, but South Sudan is one of the newest, or is the newest country in the world. And the region was already fighting for power before it broke away from, from Sudan in 2011. And the instability has left uh, to, or has led 200,000 refugees in Kenya to settle in Kenya. Clement is one of those refugees, and he went through our training a couple of years ago. He shared with us recently his desire to take sports back to South Sudan. This is not very common because most people leave South Sudan with no intention to go back, but he's feeling the calling to go back to his war-torn home with the tools that he has been giving. Um, Clement has been serving in his church in the refugee camp, which we are working at in northern Kenya. Um, and uh, he's been leading a church-centered sports ministry. And for most of our coaches, this can be a very difficult thing to do because churches do not have the funding or the resources to help the coaches. There isn't money for balls. There isn't money for uniforms. And many times there isn't, most of the time, there isn't money for soccer cleats or what they call boots. And so most of the times the kids are playing barefoot or they're playing in uh, sandals or they're sharing shoes. Um, Clement has been able to find success despite all of this adversity, but he sees a bigger picture. He knows he could stay in the safety of the refugee camp in Kenya because the UN also provides food and water. Um, they provide a tent. Um, and he could just continue to receive his basic needs and continue to work with the kids that are right there in his area. Um, but he knows that God is calling him back to South Sudan. Um, and he wants to make a difference among his people by also serving uh, the church through sports. But he wants to do it in South Sudan. And he has said, he has expressed to us that his desire is to move sometime this year. Currently, South Sudan is a little bit more peaceable, um, but no matter what happens, Clement's desire is to go home and to take this home with him. We're really excited about Clement and his desire to, to go back home, um, even though it may not be fully safe. Uh, he's determined it's safe enough. Uh, when we started working in the refugee camps back in 2017, we were really trying to determine, like, okay, why do we want to go there? This is the furthest place in the country from us. Um, it's not a nice place. It's hot. Every day is well over 100 degrees. It hardly rains. There's very few trees for shade. There's nowhere to get away from the heat. There's nowhere that has air conditioning. It's just... Here you go, 200,000 people live in the desert. Um, it's tough to be there, but what we have seen is that that need because of there's so much lack, so there's a desire for hope. And so it has made it one of the most successful places that we can go. Um, but as we went there, we said, well, 
what's the purpose in reaching out to the refugees? What, where do we want to see this go longer term? And that goal was that we would see the South Sudanese refugees go back to their own people. And why? Because there aren't very many places in South Sudan that missionaries can go and go safely. Uh, we do have some co-workers with SIM that are able to go to two different places, but they're not able to move around. They're just, they have to stay within the village that they fly into. And they've had to even evacuate many times over the last few years. And so to have Clement going back is us achieving that goal. It's the beginning of that goal being achieved. And so many of our other coaches that I've talked to have said, as soon as I finish my education, I'm going to go back, which has been a great draw for them as well because the UN has set up schools and there are no schools in South Sudan. So they're getting that education while they're kind of stuck in Kenya. But we look forward to them being able to go back. Um, and we love the servant attitude that Clement has and our other coaches have. It's very cultural um, amongst the people there that the pastor does all of the work in the church. He also receives all the appreciation for what's done. But we're showing them that it's not just the pastor that has the responsibility, but anyone in the church can have an impact on their community and can share Christ. And so our coaches have that opportunity to do that. So the coaches and Clement, they're emulating the, verse, the words in 1 Peter 5, 2 and 3. It says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. See, for, for our coaches, I often see them as youth pastors because they can have anywhere from 15 up to 100 kids on one or multiple teams that they're coaching. And they're seeing these kids on a regular basis. When school is out, it's every day. They go and they practice every day. During when school's in, maybe it's one or two days a week. But they have some of the most consistent time with these young people. And so they're the spiritual leaders for these young people. And so we really uh, see the value of what they're presenting. And I think for us, we also should look at, well, how do we help the church impact this world? Whether it's our neighborhood, our city, our country, or the world. What role will you play? Live to worship Christ. Romans 12:1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing. This is your spiritual act of worship. For some people, it's just a training, something to do, because it means hours out of their day where they're not being idle. For other people, it's just another certificate to hang on there. Look at what I've done in my life wall. Um, but for Sanchez, it's a way of life. Sanchez, before he came to us, played professional uh, soccer. 
Along the way of his career, Sanchez was introduced to somebody that he found he was willing to lay down his life for. And he surrendered his life to Christ and has faithfully served him ever since. Sanchez answered the calling to step down from playing professionally to taking the gospel to a neighborhood that he grew up in, a slum, where most people avoided. Um, and he did this by using the means of soccer. And when Sanchez attended a sports friends training several years before or after coming to us, he um, found that he had all the tools that he needed and pieces just began to fit. Um, if Sanchez is not surrounded by hundreds of kids on the pitch, they're all in his house. And his house is not very big, but it shows his character because the kids constantly come to him asking him questions. He's constantly building relationships. And the awesome part is, is that his family understands the calling that Sanchez has too. He has four biological kids and his wife. So he already has a big family, but it's always hard to tell who's who because they all act as though they are one big family. And his own family welcomes these kids in as well. They are a team that works together. Sanchez sees his coaching not as a job, but as a way to witness, as a way to reach out and to show the love of Christ to those who needs it. Um, he and his family understand the importance of discipleship, and so they all welcome the coaches and the kids with open arms. And through the years, Sanchez's role has changed from coach to training coach, but you'll still find him out on the soccer pitch. He'll still be encouraging the kids and encouraging the coaches. He's like that parent that's really loud, cheering for their kid, but he does it with everyone. And it's a beautiful thing to see. Um, if there was ever a man who fully lived what he believed, it is Sanchez, without hesitation. Um, in many places, titles and promotions can bring in a little bit of pride or a look what I did, you know, I deserve this. But Sanchez is one of the most humble men that we have ever met, and he remains teachable. He um, is always willing to learn, and he's always dropping to his knees to seek his best friend and ask him for help and wisdom. This is more than just sports for Sanchez. He is wanting to give everyone an opportunity to experience a love for their creator that he has, and he will go wherever the need is, understanding that the cost will be great, but he will always do it without hesitation. Sometimes I wonder why God created us with a sense of competition. Um, it almost seems to me as if there's an addictive nature to it. Um, I don't know if you agree, and I'm not, uh, you know, qualified to study such a thing, but it really seems to me like we love winning as people, right? Uh, God's created all of us to love to win. We practice, we study, we learn new techniques, then we go and compete, hoping that our skills and effort are enough to win. Sometimes that desire to win is so strong that we cheat or lie, or manipulate, or mislead, or use people. 
I know it's not sounding so much like a sport and more like real life. Um, one of the first things that we do when we uh, begin a training for coaches is we hold a small sporting competition, uh, some type of game. Sometimes it's an actual uh, series of soccer matches. Sometimes we just kind of come up with some kind of fun activity. But we put everyone in different teams and we make them compete. And at the end of the, the tournament, we acknowledge the champions. And then we ask, we ask questions like, who was the most respectful of the officials in the opposing team? Who demonstrated honesty and integrity in playing by the rules? Who included and encouraged each one on their team, whether they were a good player or not? Who played for the good of the team rather than for individual honors? Who focused on playing, the, playing to the best of their abilities without being obsessed with winning at all cost? And who responded to opportunities to point others towards Jesus? The initial response to these questions is usually silence. Because they're thinking about how hard they competed and how they did everything they could to win. But then they come around, they start to think about which players had good sportsmanship, which players emulated uh, these different questions that we ask. And they slowly start to point out who had the most Christ-like attitudes and behaviors during play. But we then go on to compare this to our lives as well. And why do we do that? It's because we know that for these coaches, what they say on the pitch, on the field, is not going to matter as much as the way they behave because these kids are watching them. So we start to apply it to our lives in general. And we ask, are we respectful of others no matter if they have authority over us or if we have authority over them or if they're our peers? Do we live our lives with integrity and follow the laws of the land? Do we treat everyone around us with respect, especially those humility, gentleness, and patience? Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. So let us all live to worship Christ, lead to serve the church, minister to make disciples, and coach to develop skills. When we finish our training, we have a, a time where we 
um, are then sending out our coaches. And so we give them a commissioning. And we use the verses from Isaiah 61, 1 through 3 to send them out. Um, these are also verses that Jesus read during his lifetime about him. But this is also about the church. This is about us. This is our responsibility. So I want to close with these verses from Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, in a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. We want to give all of you guys as First Alliance Church a gift. This is a candle holder. Um, I'll leave it here, maybe uh, Sam, you can be the keeper of it for the moment and people can come see it. But this uh, candle holder kind of represents all of you. This candle represents our family. <laughs> I'm cold, so it's not sticking, but as you can see, the candle holder is supporting the family. We covet your prayers. We appreciate that you have sent us as your sending church. Um, we need you behind us to fight for us in prayer. Um, and if you are um, not attached to anyone, SIM also means send in men or send in maidens. So just keep that in your mind. Um, <laughs> yes, so while you guys are supporting us, these stories that we have shared, you are a part of. Because without you guys, we can't be there. So thanks to you, I want you to picture that both you as a church and us as the missionary families together are lighting this candle and taking the light to places. Thank you for letting us be the hands and feet. Thank you for being behind us. Um, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Um, and we hope that you guys can display this summer that whenever you see it, you remember to pray. But also thank God that he's given you the opportunity to send us.